0: Anderson has that one, two, he hit him with something. He sucked the question. Adam, here is your winner. He had a here 4 and a Referee, uh, Check it, check it now. Anderson. I don't think so. I think it was a good forearm shiver. the hotline this is your wcw recap podcast my name is tj i'm your host and today we've got one heck of a show going for you so let's go ahead and jump right in uh today's episode was from october 9th 1995 coming out of chicago illinois four big matches on the card tonight uh the show started off right off the bat with mongo mcmichael eric bischoff and bobby the brain Heating, all wearing matching chicago bears jerseys um If they told you once during this episode, they probably told you six million times. The Bears are getting ready to celebrate their 10th anniversary of their one and only Super Bowl win. So just be prepared uh, when you do go back and watch this that they talk about that quite a bit. Um, as um, As the three guys are kind of welcoming everybody to the show, Sting comes out. And he's all fired up and he says that he has a plan to get Lex Luger and Macho Man back on the same side. Now, he won't tell us what that plan is quite yet, but he says it's something that's really going to help out and really make everything easier for these guys here in WCW. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into our first match. Uh, first match was the Shark taking on the United States champion, Sting. Now, as soon as Sting gets to the ring, the Shark just jumps right on him. And that kind of became a trend for tonight. It seemed like every match had that, we're just going to jump right onto him. It was kind of weird, but... It worked. The shark, um, like I said, jumps on Sting, starts pounding away, hits him with a big old power slam, just and a couple leg drops just to follow up with it. Sting is looking down and out. Shark went for the pin after the leg drops, got a two count, throws Sting into the corner, goes for like a big like avalanche splash or stinger splash, if you want to call it that, and Sting gets out the way. Shark's just kind of lumped over them, uh, over the top turnbuckle. Sting hits not one, not two, but three different stinger splashes, and finally, gets the big man kind of like wobbling to the like on his feet, and um, Sting goes to the top rope, hits a huge big bum bo- crossbody splash onto the shark, grabs the legs, one, two, three. The match is over. Sting is your winner. This match was maybe three minutes long total. Like it was just a quick boom. Let's get the action going. Get in there, very quick, very easy. Bad guy hits good guy. Good guy gets out the way, good guy hits bad guy, good guy gets the win. Very simple, basic wrestling match. Nothing really to write home. It's not going to be the greatest ever. Not even close. Not the best match for either of these two gentlemen. But it was fun to kick off the the show. After that, they go back to Bischoff and them, and they kind of show a recap video of what happened last week when the giant Kevin Sullivan and Zodiac attacked Hulk Hogan and shaved off the mustache. And they just kind of talk about that a lot tonight. They talk about it a lot tonight. Um, even through the Shark match and through some of the other matches later on, that's all they seem to want to talk about is Hogan losing the mustache, the Giants attack on Hogan, and they're just pumping up Halloween Havoc. Uh, Halloween Havoc still three weeks away, but they're putting like 60 minutes worth of advertisements for the show in a one-hour Nitro episode. Like, they will not stop talking about Halloween Havoc. And I get it. You got to promote the next uh, pay per view. You got to try to get those buys, all that stuff. I truly do get it. But you're also kind of downplaying your current show. Like, you got to make sure Nitro is the best looking show out there and pump it up so people want to come back and watch it in case they're new viewers. But anyway, we're going to go and move on to our next match. It was uh, Sabu returning to Nitro, taking on a debuting Mr. J.L. And before I get into the match, they show, obviously, WCW like to show the fans, like close-ups of the fans sitting ringside and stuff. And this time, they happen to show a very young Justin Roberts from AEW, who or currently on AEW. He's the uh, ring announcer. So that was kind of cool to see him. Uh, I remember he, after the network first came out, actually, he tweeted, yes, I know you can see on Nitro. Please stop telling me this. And he was just, like, super annoyed. But I was like, dude, come on. It's We're excited to see someone we know sitting front row. We like seeing fans before they're in the business. So, it, to me, he's still a great announcer, but he's kind of, like, a jerk in a way for, for kind of being like that. But anyway, back to the match. Um, once again, Sabu just went ahead and attacked J.O. right off the bat. Uh, he kind of did, like, he kind of knocked him down to the ground, went to the apron, and did like a flip over the top rope to hit a leg drop on Mr. JL that looked pretty cool. Uh, they go back and forth a little bit. JL hits this, um, he throws Sabu against the ropes, goes against the other ropes, hits like a weird kick that ends up knocking Sabu out of the ring, and then hits him with a suicide dive. And uh, they kind of, they're outside for a little bit, then they roll, they get back into the ring, and this time Sabu hits the wheel kick. J, Mr. JL goes out of the ring, and uh, Sabu hits, like, this... He does, like, another flip-over thing like he did with the leg drop earlier, but this time it's from the inside of the ring to the out, and he kind of lands on him, and when he hit Mr. JL, his butt hit him in the chest, but Sabu's upper body just kind of went backwards, and he landed right on the top of his head. Just thunk! Like, it looked really ugly. I'm surprised Sabu just kind of brushed that off and kept going. It looked really bad. Well, anyway, um... Sabu throws Mr. JL into the guardrail, grabs a chair, sets it up, runs, jumps off the chair, and hits Mr. JL with a leg lariat, which was pretty awesome. Uh, throws him back in the ring. They wrestle a little bit. JL ends up uh, throwing Sabu into the corner, hits a dropkick that looked ugly. Like, that thing hurt. There's no way about it. Like, it looked like these two were really starting to uh, to really lay it in. They, they were hitting each other really really hard it was it was fun to see i like seeing that. i like the more physical wrestling matches so and this definitely was that there's no question about that okay after that sabu ends up getting up to his feet he hits uh, mr JL with a clothesline and then puts mr jail in the camel clutch but he's too close too close to the ropes and JL kind of reaches over and grabs it after that sabu tries to go up on the top rope uh JL sw- uh punches him in the face sabu gets knocked down Mr. JL grabs his head, pulls him out, and drops him for DDT with uh, Sabu's feet hanging on that top rope. Super awesome move. Super, super cool. The announcers acted like it was nothing. Like it was just a normal chop or a punch. Like they did not care at all about how hurt this uh, Sabu could possibly be. Kind of bummed me out because that was one of those moves they really should have sold and been like, oh yeah, that was awesome, but they didn't do any of that. Anyway, uh, JL goes for the pin. Two count. Um, then Sabu kind of gets it, um, gets in charge a little bit, starts taking charge of the match, starts punching him, beating him up, puts Mr. Jail up on the top rope, like sits him on the top turnbuckle, goes for the super karana, and as he jumps up, grabs him with his legs and goes to flip back, uh, Jail is holding onto the rope, so Sabu just belly flops right into the middle of the ring, just plop, and that was it. Um... Mr. JL then tries to jump off the top rope. Sabu, uh, I don't know what JL was going for. Maybe like a, like a, I don't even know. Like maybe a 100 a Karana, like jump off the ropes, grab him with his legs and flip him or something. But he ended up getting countered into a power bomb and Sabu just slammed him down real ugly. Like kind of used his uh, momentum and pushed him down. As soon as JL hits, he flips him over. Puts him in the camel clutch. Mr. Jail taps out almost immediately. Sabu is your winner by um, submission. Really fun match. Like I said, they were laying it in. Very, very physical. A couple good um, high-flying moves. The suicide dive. The uh, flip over the top ropes. Things like that. It was pretty cool. It was fun to watch. I liked it a lot. It's uh, better than the last Sabu match we watched here on Nitro. Anyway, immediately afterwards, uh, you can see... They go back to uh, Bischoff and Heenan and Mongo talking about uh, Halloween Havoc and what's going on with that. And then they say, oh, Mean Gene's in the ring now with Sting and Lex Luger. Let's cut to them. And he is. And Sting's like, I got a solution, but we need Macho Man out here now. The Macho Man comes out right away. And holy hell, the attire. I'm going to take a second to stop and talk about the attire the Macho Man was wearing because we all know. The Macho Man has the, some of the craziest attire in wrestling. Always has. Ever since Macho King and Macho Man, all that stuff. He's always been kind of crazy with what he wears to the ring. But man, this dude looked like he was coming straight out of Tiger King, man. With this tiger print ripped up, it was insane looking. I loved it. But it was insane looking. Like It's one of the more ridiculous looking attires that Macho Man has ever come out with. A super fun. I just I couldn't believe it. Like, I actually paused while I was watching the show and be like, "What is he wearing?" It's it's tremendous. the The fact that he tried to pull off tiger stripes and didn't really do it, but didn't care, speaks volumes for who the macho man Randy Savage was. The dude is just phenomenal. Like his oh, I loved it. I loved it and hated it at the exact same time. Like. Just the cockiness, just the, the arrogance to be like, I can pull that off, no problem, and did it. Like, it's it's insane. But anyway, Macho Man's out there, he's like, I got a question for everybody, how come the giant has slam Hogan, slam me, slam Lex, but he hasn't touched you, Sting, what the heck, what's going on there? And Sting's like, dude, you're paranoid, stop. And Sting says that his solution to um, the conflict between Luger and Savage is is if Savage wins his match at Havoc and Luger wins his match at Halloween Havoc, that the two will face off after the fact to settle it once and for all. Macho, being the crazy man that he is, is like, yeah, let's do it. I'm in. Like, right away. He's all for it. No problem. Luger's like, what? You want me to wrestle twice in a night? Nah, dude, I ain't doing that. Like, I'm all for a rematch, but not for the same night. Uh Uh-uh. No way. And uh, Sting's like, oh, come on, I thought you were the total package. I thought you were this big badass. Like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Uh, like, all right. I think Sting said something along the lines of, I'm not even talking to the real total package anymore, am I? And Luger's like, you are talking to the total package. I'll do it. I don't care. I'll do it. I'll prove that I'm the best. And that kind of stuff. And then he storms out of the ring. So I guess now we're going to have, um, if Luger wins his match at Halloween Havoc and Macho wins his match, then it's Macho versus Lex. At the pay-per-view. Which should be pretty good. Um, I like both those guys. So that will be fun. Well. The next thing they do. Is they talk about. uh They cut back to Bischoff. And Bischoff's talking about. This young Japanese. Uh, wrestler from Japan. Is going to be making his debut soon. Here in WCW. And he's talking about. How he made a name for himself. In Japan. And in Canada. And all over Europe. And everything like that. And a limo pulls up. And out the door. Comes Chris Benoit. Um. I don't, know what's, I don't know what to say, really. Like, if you're listening to this, you obviously know what happened with Chris Benoit. If you don't, quick Google it. Um, so I need to kind of make that known now before I get further into his career. I'm going to cover it the same way WCW covered it. Um, I won't talk about any of the backstage stuff. I won't talk about any of the personal stuff. I am strictly going to talk about the wrestling character. Of Chris Benoit. None of the actual guy. As a wrestler and as a character for WCW, that is it. That is all that I need to address on this podcast. Um, eventually, maybe on another platform, I can go more into detail about my personal feelings about Chris Benoit, which, well, screw it, I'll just get into it now. What he did was deplorable, it was disgusting, but that's it. That's all we're going to say. Like, we all know what happened. There's no point in getting into it. If you don't, A, where have you been? B, you need to Google it. Just Google it and find out what happened. Because this, what happened with Chris Benoit was not good. Whether, no matter what you believe, no matter what you um, think happened, what you think the cause of it was, any of that stuff, it doesn't matter. What His actions were deplorable, period. Um, but I'm not going to cover any of that other than right now. Here on forward, I'm just going to talk about Chris Watt, the performer. So when I say, man, he killed that guy, I'm not trying to make a smite, like a small little jab at whoever. I am simply talking about what he did in the ring in WCW, and that is it. Anything outside of it, I don't care. Same way I don't care what Hogan did, what Lex Luger did, Macho, Ming, Shark, whoever. I am only talking about the WCW wrestlers, none of their outside personas. With that said, we're gonna go and take a uh, yeah, we'll go and take a quick break real fast, and then we'll jump into our third match, third and uh, third match of the night, and then our huge main event between Ric Flair and Arn Anderson in the steel cage. Hey, gang, have you heard the latest? Hey, humanoids, wake up. It's the brain on the hotline. And I've got it all right here. Call the biggest names in wrestling on the WCW hotline. and I'm going to tell you things you won't believe. What we can't say on TV, you can hear on the hotline. Call right now, the WCW hotline, 1-900-909-9900. Calls cost 99 cents per minute. Kids get parents' permission to call. Charges will appear on parents' phone bill. All right, we are back. How do you guys like those commercials? I love them. I think they're great. Good guys. That one especially. That's one of my favorite ones. I've been waiting to play it for for a bit now. But anyway, uh, we come back from commercial, and Disco Inferno is out on the stage, and he starts dancing and doing his thing and loving up life. And then they cut his music off, and he's like, wait, what the hell? Then the dude says, oh, I got it, runs over and pulls out a boombox and has it up on his shoulder, and he's still just dancing around so no one can turn off his music anymore. And it was very funny. Like It made me laugh very hard. But he's doing this, and then Big Bubba Rogers comes out and just kind of looks at him, and Disco's like, Come on, baby, dance with me. He's like, Nah, I ain't doing that, fool. And walks on by, so Disco's like, All right, whatever. Still dancing, still dancing. And then Big Bubba Rogers' uh, opponent comes out, uh, Road Warrior Hawk. Now, if you know anything about the Road Warriors, uh, in particular, Hawk... He is not a man to be silly and joke around and fool around with. Hawk will punch you in your face, and he doesn't care. That's how he is. That's how he's always been. So when Disco Inferno's like, come on, baby, dance, because he does the same thing to Hawk, Hawk's like, what? Get out of here. Just, just go away, and ignores him, starts walking down. Disco takes that as a sign of disrespect, runs over, steals the hat off a kid's head, puts it on Hawk's shoulder pad, and runs back like to the top of the ramp that just talking smack with his boom box in his hand. And Hawk doesn't see it like completely oblivious that there's a purple and yellow baseball cap hanging off one of his black and red shoulder pad spikes. Super funny. He finally gets to the ring and I think big Bubba's like kind of pointing like, yo, he put something on there because Hawk kind of looks and then he sees it. And he's like, what, what the hell is that? And referee comes over and takes it off and stuff. But this was Hawk's debut on Nitro, and he's been gone since he broke his arm, like, I think three months ago, they said. And he comes back to the Disco Inferno just making a fool out of him during his entrance, during his, this badass entrance that he does. So he's like, okay, that's fine, whatever. But anyway, match starts, and these two, behem- again, Big Bubba, just attacks him right away, but it really doesn't do a whole lot. Like, um, uh, They end up fighting a little bit. Hawk hits a power slam, and they're just going back and forth, whatever. And then um, Disco Inferno comes out. And Disco jumps up on the apron, like, facing the hard cam, and he starts doing his little dancing and stuff. And Hawk's like, what, again with this idiot? And just starts grabbing, it starts ripping at the shirt, ends up ripping uh, part of the shirt from Disco's back, like, really bad. And then Disco jumps down, is like, oh, I need to get out of here. Hawk's like, "Uh uh-uh, fool, jumps out of the ring and starts chasing Disco, ends up getting him into the entranceway, starts beating on him, and there, meanwhile, the referee's counting because the match is still going on. It's a 10 count. Hawk gets uh, loses by countout. He's unbelievably mad. Disco heads for the hills. He's out of here. Big Bubba Rogers is on the outside cheering like, yep, I won, whatever. I'll take it. So there's your winner, Big Bubba Rogers by countout. After that, they went to a commercial break. They came back. And Mean Gene Okerlund standing in the ring, and this time he's calling out the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Hulk Hogan! <laughs> and, um, yeah, he calls out Hogan. Hogan's music starts hitting. And he comes out in all black. No red, no yellow, no red, white, and blue. Just solid black head to toe. The only thing that has any that's not black on his whole body, including the neck brace he's wearing, is the one cross. One of the two crosses he's wearing, which, whatever. Um, so Oakland's like, hey, what's going on? Like, how do you feel? And Hogan pretty much says, I don't want to hear a word out of you, Oakland. I don't want to hear nothing out of Jimmy Hart. This is my turn to speak. Both of y'all shut the hell up, which was crazy. It was just like, whoa, Hogan's mad. Like, he's not the, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. No, he is angry. So pretty much says that he's going to go ahead. Like, he's only here to beat up the giant. He's wearing the black because he's like, you know what? We're in mourning. You try to kill Hulkamania. You shaved off the mustache. We ain't having that, so we're all in black. We're going to take out the giant. It's time for a funeral type of thing. And Eugene's like, well, you can't because there's a, um, a restraining order. There's a restraining order on the giant, and he's not allowed in the building. He's completely barred from the, uh, from the building here in uh, Chicago. So he uh, tells him, he's like, well, if the giant can't come in here, I'm just going to have to go out there, brother. And he goes to try to take him out. And... That's kind of where it went. Like He's like, I'm going to take him out. And he tells this super long story. And he kind of, not even kind of, he ends up shooting on Vince McMahon, telling him how like this promoter had it all and Hulkamania was running things. And all of a sudden, the promoter said he can't do it no more up in the New York area. So Hogan came down here to WCW with all the Hulkamaniacs and blah, blah. blah. It was just a lot of nonsense. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, and as he's telling all this, you start hearing sirens in the background. And I thought it was here at the house. I was like, what the hell's going on? My neighbor's about to get busted, but it wasn't, it was, uh, through the screens and everything they cut to the back and the giant comes rolling up in this monster truck that he used to run over the, the, um, Hogan's motorcycle a couple weeks ago. And in the back, or next to him is the Taskmaster riding shotgun. In the back of the truck, you just see the Zodiac going, like, arms waving, screaming like a maniac. It was really funny, actually. It looked hilarious. But uh, there's, like, a bunch of cops out there saying, no, 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 you can't get, you got to get out of here. You got to get out of here. While, like, all their cars are parked behind the giant monster truck. So it's like, yo, if he backs up, all your squad cars are screwed. Like, he's going to destroy all of them with no problem. So that that was kind of weird. It was kind of silly, but I get what they were trying to do. But anyway, uh, Giant's barred from there. And Hogan's like, if he's not going to come out here to fight me, I'm going to have to go back there and fight him. And Hogan like storms out of the ring, ready to go fight the Giant. And then they cut to another commercial. Uh, When they get back, they're talking to... It's Mongo, Bischoff, and Bobby the Brain. And Mongo's like, man, the action's been so crazy. Little Pepe's here, had to put on his helmet. And, uh... The dog wearing the helmet was the silliest thing I'd ever seen. Like, I could not stop laughing at that stupid visual. Um, if you're watching on YouTube right now or listening to it on YouTube, this is what I got up. This is what the dog looked like. It looked ridiculous. Uh, there's a picture of the dog up on our Twitter handle, uh, at call1900 909 9900. Got to get that cheap plug in. Um, you can see the dog picture there. But Pepe looked ridiculous, had his little Bears helmet, like Chicago Bears helmet on. Little Chicago Bear sweater that went all the way down to his feet. It was ridiculous, dude. That dog, I don't know what was going on with Mongo and that and little Pepe there, but it was weird, man. That little chihuahua rat-looking thing. But anyway, uh, now it's time for your main event. It's uh, Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair inside of a steel cage. Now, when they cut to it, Arn Anderson's already in the ring. He's already ready, uh, ready and willing to go. He is just angry-looking. They hit Flair's music. Flair starts coming out, decked out in his purple, looking to the nines like Ric Flair always does. And he's just, he's all pumped up and ready to go. He's flashing. He's like flashy and dancing and doing his thing. He's excited, not literally flashing. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, he's ready for the, to go. He gets in the ring and he, him and Arn just go at it. They start chopping. They start punching. They are just beating the crap out of each other. Uh, Arn ends up throwing Ric Flair into the cage and... Picks Flair up. More punches, more chops. Flair uh, throws Arn into the cage, like, I think two times, and then grates his face against it. And um, they start going back and forth a little bit. Like, there really wasn't a whole lot of actual wrestling moves in this, as there shouldn't be in a, in a steel cage because it's a fight. That's what they're trying to do. They're just trying to beat the crap out of each other, not really out-wrestle the other. But Flair his suplex, and they start wrestling again. Uh, Arn ends up getting the upper hand, throws Flair into the cage, Kind of grates his face against it. And Flair's like, "Uh uh-uh. And like it just completely doesn't do anything. Chops him, throws him against the cage again, starts beating on him. And then all of a sudden, Brian Pillman comes out. And he goes to the door and he's like, nope, that ain't going to work. And then just starts climbing the cage. And Flair looks. He's like, oh, okay, really? Goes up as Pillman's at the top of the cage, jumps up there and just hits Pillman. And Pillman falls from the top of the cage all the way to the outside floor. Really ugly-looking bump. Like that dude felt that thing the next couple days. But um, as that happened, Pillman finally falls down. Flair is just fired up. Starts hitting Flair or uh, Arn Anderson again. Knocks him down with something. I can't remember what. I want to say it was a um, uh, an inverted atomic drop, but I can't quite remember. Either way, he goes for the figure four. He gets Arn's leg, wraps around it, goes to grab the second one, and Arn pops him in the face with something in his right hand. Just thunk, lays out the nature boy, rolls over, gets the three count. Meanwhile, Eric Bischoff is screaming that the referee needs to change the decision because Arn had something on his hand that should be a disqualification when everybody knows, other than, Mon- other than Mongo and Bischoff, apparently, that there are no disqualifications in a cage match. Anything goes. There's only two ways to win. Beat your opponent in the ring Or get out of the cage. That's it. So it it annoyed me. It's like, guys, if you're going to commentate a steel cage match, know the rules or lack thereof of a cage match. But anyway, um, Arn Anderson wins. Him and Pillman kind of like go to the back. They're kind of celebrating. And they go back to Bischoff, who's kind of complaining about the thing in his hand. They start talking about Halloween Havoc again. And Ric Flair comes up and he like, grabs Bischoff, shakes him, grabs the headset, breaks the headset, rips off his head, and kind of goes on this screaming rant, which Ric Flair loves to do. He's great at it. And starts screaming that he he doesn't care if it's two-on-one or not or if he can find a partner. He wants Pillman, he wants Arn next week on Nitro in a tag match. Either two-on-one or if he can find a partner, and he is going to scour the earth looking for a tag team partner. And that's it. That is the episode of Nitro. Short, sweet, pretty good one. Great cage match. Just two guys beating the crap out of each other. The uh, Mr. JL and Sabu match was great. Just Again, two guys beating the crap out of each other. Some fun with the Disco Inferno. Some storyline stuff with uh, uh, Hogan and the Giant. Some ridiculous attire with Macho Man Randy Savage. Lex Luger in a suit that looked too big for him, but I don't know. It it was fun. It was kind of crazy, but it was fun. But uh, that is it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening, as always. We'll be back right again next week, next Monday, for another episode of The Hotline. Until then, if you need to get a hold of me, go ahead and reach us over at uh, on Twitter, at call one 909 Once again, at call one 909 We are there great to talk to you guys we're excited to hear about the fans and what you guys think about it what you would like to see differently what you want to keep the same all that kind of stuff and yeah until then you guys be safe have fun and we'll catch you guys next week on the hotline